Welcome back, everybody, to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 25. This evening, I am only joined by Matt. <clears throat> Trevor's got some stuff going on, but we wanted to make sure that you guys had something to listen to, make sure we're keeping ourselves on schedule. So we're here. Um, the audio quality should be a little better this week. I, uh, I took a mic over, or Matt came and, and grabbed a spare mic from me. So things should sound a little bit better for you. Hopefully so. It's a big milestone for us, the quarter century mark. 25. Yeah, we're we're quarter of the way to 100, and I think 100, I mean, that's almost two years. That'd probably be like maybe next fall, not this upcoming fall, but the following fall. Yeah, so, so I don't know. We haven't missed a week yet, still. Yeah, trying. I trying know. to, um, let's say. That's why, like, like I didn't, we didn't want to push um today because i think like the more you start to get used to pushing the more you get complacent with uh the upload schedule and we're gonna try and try and keep ourselves away from that all right so what's uh, been going on with you uh well as you would know for video game wise we've been hopping on fifa and playing uh pro clubs oh yeah we have if been any- playing pro clubs found in i mean i've always liked fifa mm-hmm. and pro clubs is something that we haven't really stepped into and uh, you get a good little group of friends in there and you just grind grind the divisions you boost up your my player and you just have fun rather than dealing with the online stuff and the opening packs and getting nothing unlike you this morning the past the past two weeks i've had this crazy luck like I'm not I'm not even sitting there and opening packs. Like I'm just I'm going in opening my rewards packs from the week before. And yeah. that first pull or no, the Fakir I did an SBC. So there's I got like a ninety six overall cam, which is like those you want your attack player. You want the highest attack players you can get. And then this morning I woke up, it was like, I don't know, eight thirty. It was before I went to the gym. I was sipping my pre workout. I opened a fucking reward pack and it's blue. And I'm like, Oh, a blue. I think the Bundesliga things are out this week. Um, right. And I see can or I think you see the nation first. So I saw Germany yes. and then I saw Cam and I was like, oh, does, does Julian. You're going to get like one of the low tier ones. I was like, does Julian Brandt have one or does another like German Cam have one? I figured somebody would. Um, and lo and behold, it was fucking, it was, I saw BVB and it was, it was Marco Royce. It's a 95. So. Marco Royce part two about five years later. Oh my god, you remember when we when we fucking broke my ex or broke the uh, PS4 out of the box? Have I told that story on here? I think you might have briefly hit on it once. Yeah, I think I remember that. Oh man, good days, good days. So, uh, yeah, I guess all we've really been doing is playing FIFA. <laughs> Past couple of days. I mean, I, I watched since we're talking about soccer. I watched the games over the weekend. I'm sure you did too. Yeah, I did. I watched what I could. It was it's it's different though. It's really different. It feels really synthetic without the fans. Yeah. Weston uh Weston McKinney, uh United he's from the US. He plays in Germany for Schalke and they played over the weekend. He was commented saying uh it was awkward. It felt like soccer, but if but but it didn't feel like soccer at the same time. Yeah. He also said that no fans, not really an atmosphere. You have to really depend on your self-motivation and your self-drive to really give you 100% in the game. Yeah, it's... You have no driving force, and momentum is so huge. And especially in a stadium, the stadiums in Germany, they sing just as much as they sing in in places like England. So when you don't have that pushing you or helping you fucking keep your tempo... I, I can't imagine how that feels. It's got to feel so synthetic and forced and pr- probably kind of gross for some of them. It's funny you say synthetic because also in Korea, <laughs> they also have to deal with the no fans. They were caught putting sex dolls in the stands. I saw that Holding up signs and whatnot, and that came up very controversial for some people. That team had to pay like 605 k in fines or something for that. I saw that today. <laughs> 
Can you? They could have went the other route with the cutouts or something, at least. Why would you? Uh, why are you putting sex dolls in the stands? There was like eight of them. There was just eight random rubber fuck dolls. Like, why are you putting? Korea is the epicenter of making them all. That's why they had a bunch of extra ones in the closet they just threw in there. Oh Jesus! I saw that this morning. That was one of the first pieces of news that I, I always wake up and scroll Twitter in bed, and I was like, what? Fuck, sex dolls? Really? In the soccer stadium? And lo and behold, I clicked it. I think that was on gold.com. I saw that or something. But Jesus. For Korea, I didn't find it that bizarre for oh. some reason. If that's wrong, I don't know. Yeah, there's into some crazy stuff over in Japan and Korea. It's like but a westernized. It's westernized. Yeah, it's westernized. All the other bigger leagues are going to be starting to come back in a week or two, beginning of June, mid-June. Premier Hopefully League. also no fans. Premier League got pushed to June 24th first or something like that june 20th so we'll see i feel like the main pushback with theirs the players players are well it is did, did you see off. did you see today that angola conte asked he asked the chelsea board to not come back and they they gave him it's called compassionate leave so they gave him mm-hmm. compassionate leave and he doesn't have a timetable to come back so i feel for them i mean what yeah, I can understand if, if like, them personally, they have situations where they're going to be around loved ones that may yeah. be susceptible to that type of, for the disease. But um, in the end, I think the board and, like, the executives and all that are going to get what they want. I do, too. And the league's going to come back. So it'll be up to those guys to decide if they want to play or not. I know Danny Rose has been a big guy on social media against it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's at the end of his career to where he's not really that guy. He's a utility guy, so nobody's going to really care if he plays you know what i mean not to be mean to danny rose no but that that's a that's a funny thing that you say that because i saw a quote from him and he was wearing a newcastle kit and i was like danny rose plays for fucking newcastle so i mean yeah they loaned him to newcastle till the end of the year so he, he he's drifting out of out of relevancy um but but i i totally hear you and i agree i think that Boards are going to get what they want. And what they want is to finish out the season so that they can keep the TV money that they already fucking spent. Because that's how mm-hmm. it works. You you get that TV money from NBC. Um, you get yes. that broadcasting money at the beginning of the season. Because for a lot of those clubs, that's your lifeline to get at least one or two uh, marquee players and, and essentially rely on them to keep you in the Premier League so that you can get that $82 million again and keep yourself up, you know? Plus, the lower-level clubs, excluding the top six, need their gate receipts and yep. the and the food sales and their merch. Yeah, of course. They need all that money to pay their staff salary, not even counting the player salary, because a lot of those guys had to be asked to take pay cuts, just like in every other sport. Yeah, and it's people don't think about that aspect of it either. In England, especially, um, I, I guess... It's it's like that here too, but we're not seeing it with the NFL or or baseball right now, really, um, because I think I think most of them decided that they would pay their staff. I, I could be wrong. Um, we're not seeing it with the NFL, but with the MLB, a lot of people are employed by those clubs. There's there's yeah. you know people in the medical field that are employed, physios, and those teams, especially at the top flight. You have people that work in the stadiums. You have the vendors. You have people that are taking tickets. Like, it's it's massively um, detrimental. So I feel like on the other side, like the NBA is more player oriented, yeah. rather the organizations, mm-hmm. because I I don't think the NBA is going to come back. I think they're just going to cancel the season. To be honest, I know. I as, as the longer that this goes, I start to think the same thing. But now they're talking about it going to Disney. Did you see that? Yeah, they were talking about it all being in Orlando, but yeah. I think any idea that gets thrown out there, there's always going to be negative feedback towards it because there's always going to be people that are stickler to the social distancing. But if you think about it, if we're in the same situation as we are now, two, three months down the line, do you like? there's going to be more people that are going to be impatient about the whole situation. I totally agree. Um, it, it's interesting that you say that. Uh, I just don't. I don't know how... It's sustainable to keep that going, as much as well, it's I. Not. I, right, and that's what I, as much as I wish that I could say, I can one hundred percent see myself practicing every social distancing guideline three, four, five months from now. 
I, I can't promise that. I'm going to try my best to keep my family and my friends as safe as I can, but I, I can't derail my, you can't derail your life forever. You just can't. Yeah. Things are going to have to come back. It's, it's as unfortunate as it is that, that people may die because of it. Shit's going to come back. And the world health organization and the CDC and whoever the fuck else that's in power keep saying, you're going to have to learn to live with the virus. All right. Well, I'll just fucking live with it then. If Trump's starting to turn that way too, or has been. Yeah, of course. I mean, you just can't, you can't, you can't let it go like that forever. We it's... touched on it last week about them trying to keep putting stimulus packages and relief bills together. And that shit got to shut down to the immediately. The... Yeah, because then they're going to use that after if Trump gets reelected or if not, depending on what happens in November, which we don't even know how that's going to be. Right. Um, They'll hold that against him if we go like eight trillion dollars more in debt. They'll be like, "Oh, see what he did," and like not even consider what was happening. Yeah, I know. It's a shitty thing. Thinking turn, about it's it, turned into a political stunt. I know, and thinking about it is like, it kind of makes me a little sick because you know it's it's just gonna get messier and messier and messier. I don't see how any of this coronavirus stuff has any positive effect on the world. People are like, yeah. you know, there's, there's, there's upsides to this. You're spending more time with your family or whatever the fuck. I just, I don't understand it. There's uh, no fucking upside to this shit. No. California specifically is starting to speed up their reopening process. Um, Joe Rogan hit on it a little bit. He was mentioning that he was thinking about moving out of California for the time being. Yep. Because it doesn't. It doesn't make sense for him to stay there because of the high taxes and the cost of living and everything. And he said himself he doesn't have to be there. He wants to be there because he has close friends that live around there. And he doesn't really have any family. No, he doesn't. And he's also doing it for the podcast. Like, he loves doing it out of there. But he can do it somewhere else online just like other people are. Well, he could He could do it. Um, He just had Patton Oswalt on, online, I think, over Zoom or something like that. Um. Joe could do that show from... I've been listening to the Joe Rogan experience for uh, probably six or seven years now. Um, he could do that show wherever he wanted. Yeah, you're right. But having it in Los Angeles means that you can call your buddy up who is coming from the comedy store or whatever the fuck. That's also a lot of his... That That's his scene. He's a comedian. So moving to a place like Texas, you're kind of stunning yourself. You're kind of chopping yourself off at the knees because... You're going to miss out on all of those potential drop-in, pop-in guests, which happens all the time on that show. So, But if you're, if you're going to be on continuing social distancing in California, and let's say you mentioned yeah. Texas, if Texas is starting to reopen and the comedy clubs are open, he can go do stand-up if he wants, where in California he can't. He can't express himself on that platform. That's true. And I think that's only like a fraction. It's only a fraction of the money he makes. I don't think he's worried necessarily about stand up. The podcast is what makes him so much money, but right. but yeah, I, I guess it, it's an option. I'm, I'm not saying it out of a money. Oh, I know profit yeah. type of standpoint. I'm saying more as his him, him expressing himself, and it's more of a stress. Reliever. Yeah, and he's a he's but, a huge free speech guy. So I get moving to Texas. That's where a lot of like the super far right. Um, uh, radio type shows are registered because it's very they're very focused on free speech because it's obviously right leaning. Yeah. Um, I was also mentioning it too because if let's say him, Joe Rogan, and um, a bunch of other rich people decide to leave the state and go other places for various reasons, mm. then they're starting to lose the people they tax of to course. pay for all their for all their bills and. Mm -hmm to cover for all the legal immigrants and whatnot, whatever their state covers. Mm -hmm. And then they're kind of in a, a tough situation. Yeah. I mean, Hollywood will never move. The, the thing about it is like Hollywood will never move out of, of LA of California. So you're always going to have, there's always going to be big money there, but you're right. You're definitely losing a chunk. You're losing a, a big chunk from, from people. I agree. Like not that. everybody's going to leave. Not everybody's going to leave, but if that small percentage leaves, then their percentage is going to go towards the people that stay. Right. Now they have to pay even more. Yeah, of course. 
works. Well, that's the, uh, that's the thing about living in a state like California or a state like New York. It's blue as fuck, and your taxes are high shit. Taxes are high shit here in Jersey, too. Yeah, New Jersey's one of the most democratic states in the country. I know. Not our county. <laughs> um, since we're talking about Joe Rogan, you love this move. Joe Rogan moving to Spotify starting in September. And then towards the end of this year, start of next year, exclusively he will be on Spotify, including all of his the video shows. Yes. So, so they're going to take all of them off YouTube and everything. So now it's a, Spotify is getting a good deal. Huge. I think this is a huge move. I like this move. I like I liked the Bill Simmons move that happened earlier this year when he sold the Ringer. I think yep. that Spotify is a great platform, and this is another Spotify I've been using again for probably five years now. And I know that it's kind of expensive. Some people don't like paying it, but I, I really use it, and my entire family uses it, and I like the way that they curate their music, number one. That's huge. And number two, I like the fact that they're continuing to make moves in the business sector and, and getting more content, especially expanding yeah. into podcasting. It's huge. And the fact that they're expanding into video content is big too. 100%. So I'm happy about that. And YouTube, as much as I love it and will continue to use it because there's there's still so much content that's exclusive to it and suited for it, is a platform that, that inhibits free speech. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of played out. These guys aren't making as much money as they could because they say fuck or, you know, they're talking about something that's a little unsavory. And that, to me, is frustrating right. and annoying. And YouTube never used to be like that. And it used to be a place where people expressed themselves freely in whatever type of format that they wanted. Um, and it was and it was awesome for that. And it was great. I remember the fucking golden years of YouTube. I'm sure you do, too. Um, yeah. And it's not like that anymore. So, you know, if he wants to move to Spotify, collect that fucking check. Go, Joe. Go ahead. I appreciate it. I think it's a great move. And I'm happy for him. He makes it, he runs a great show. And I'm sure I hope to I hope that young Jamie is getting fucking bands on this move. <laughs> His producer Jamie. The absolute best. He'll do fine. I'm sure they'll branch off into new things and they might even collab with other people. Who knows? Yeah, he's supposed to have he's supposed to have Kanye on. We still haven't seen Kanye. It was close. It almost happened. That was probably a year yeah. ago at this point. He's supposed to have... Who else is he supposed to have back on? Ah, oh, fuck. I forget. I, I'd love to see him get a, get Trump on there after whenever his terms are over. Oh, man. The, the Trump... That'd be a funny one. The Trump interviews... Can you imagine what the Trump interviews 10, 15 years... If he's alive, 10, 15 years from now will be like? Can you imagine... I, I'd love to sit and watch two to three hours of uh, him talking to Joe Rogan. That'd be funny. Oh, my God. Dude, you could give me 10. I would sit and watch 10 of that. It'd probably be madness. <laughs> It'd probably be incoherent. Can you imagine if he get, got fucking Trump to spark up a fucking J? Oh, man. <laughs> he got Elon Musk to He's spark up a J? Oh, yeah. He's against drugs and everything. He doesn't drink. He doesn't do any of that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he did at some point. Uh, he says he's straight edge his whole life, so... That's bullshit. I don't believe that for a fucking heartbeat. You don't have that much money and not fucking... I don't, I don't believe that. Maybe, though. I could be wrong. Took that million dollar loan and ran with it. Uh, some of his scandalous uh, behavior with associates... I don't know if he's straight edge for his whole life. Typically, yeah. straight edge people don't fuck porn stars. Typically, but I don't know. I I'm not saying. I'm just putting it out there. Who knows? Um. All right. So moving on with scandalous behavior can link that towards the this past week's drama. Segways. We could sum up right here. The call her daddy drama. I would say for everybody thirty, maybe thirty five and under, know what this is about, and I'm sure older people do too, but not as much. Um, Call Her Daddy, if you don't know, is a podcast run by two girls, Alex Cooper and Sophia Franklin. Mm -hmm. They started it uh, spring 2018, yep. which is crazy. They've only been around for two years, and it became a, a juggernaut on the scene. 
and it's currently ranked the number one podcast on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Well, mainly due to the drama, and and Dave Portnoy, El Prez stepping up to the plate. Absolute fire! Cutting all the bullshit out. <laughs> yeah, the thirty-minute overview of what was going on was awesome. So I had, before we get into this, I want to I want to put this out there. When this show first came out, I, now I'm I used to be a huge Barstool guy. Like I, when they first started off and were first producing content. I loved it. It was so good because it was such a departure from um, ESPN and that. When did when did you first start? Like 2014, 2015? Probably around 2014, 2015. Yeah. And then I kind of fell off because I just didn't like – it was getting a little corporate in my opinion. It was just expanding right. too much, which I'm glad that, that they <clears throat> managed to make the business such a viable way to feed so many people. Like That's amazing. Um, but I just – I lost interest a little bit and the first show actually that I listened to when I came back and decided to foray and see what new shows they had or who they had employed was this show. And I listened to the first episode and I said, these bitches are fucking crazy. They're yeah. How would you, how would you describe the show? Psychotic behavior scandalous fucking behavior and they sit and expose themselves so (sighs) i explicitly i guess i would say and i really said to myself i i said wow this is fucking content it was just crazy content and i knew the minute that i heard the first episode that it would be a fucking smash and then, yeah. it, and then a year later, it was a fucking smash. And I, I couldn't continue to listen to it because I, I'm a vulgar motherfucker. Like, at my very core. I, not many things offend me. Right. But I was watching the show and I said, I was like, this is too much, dude. I can't handle this. I, can't, I wouldn't be able to handle it if it was guys. And I couldn't handle that it, it was chicks talking about it either. It was just too much. It's too much dirty fucking just gross-ass sex talk. I can't handle it. Yeah, it's two girls talking about, like, sex, sex fantasies, and basically all that type of stuff. It's intense. The way I interpret it is if after a weekend, all the girls just wake up and they sit around, like, with coffee, and they just start talking for an hour. That's that's the way I'm interpreting it, because girls don't hold back. They just talk about everything to each other. Yeah, same same as we we do, as guys. I think... I think guys hold back to an extent because they are afraid what their guys might say to them if they like express themselves too much. You know what I mean? I guess. But that's just me. Yeah, I ch- I choose not to be that way. But yeah, I guess you're right. Some of my friends are girls, like that. Girls can be naturally open with each More other and open. they understand. I feel guys can't be as... If you and me just met, we're not going to express that deep in detail over one conversation it'll take a couple of times hanging out and doing other stuff finding some common ground uh, yeah i hear you i guess that's that's true so yeah the show's been around for two years and the, they haven't they haven't released an episode since the beginning of april they were around episode 79 i think that was the last one they did mm-hmm. and um so since april there's been no episodes and this is all summarized from what Dave said in that 30-minute episode from the Call Her Daddy show, episode 80. If you want to check it out, look at it on uh, Apple Podcasts or whatnot. Um, we're just paraphrasing what he said. So he, Dave believed they've been distanced since the beginning of this year. They mm-hmm. would never come in the offices or anything. they come maybe once or twice a week, if that. Mm-hmm. And they would never even be friendly with the other coworkers e- either, like all the other content people and whatnot. They would just do their own thing and leave. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Dave believed they were Mark. They were shopping the show off to other networks, and turns out they were, and they were going to call it The Fathers, which because is they could, yeah, they didn't have the IP, right? Yeah, that's correct. So they they're they're currently contracted for another two years mm-hmm. until they either sign a new deal with Barstool or they leave and do something else, right? But that doesn't guarantee them getting the IP. Um, so in this two-year contract, they were making about seventy grand each, plus bonuses, depending on merch sales and the amount of downloads they were getting on the shows, Incentives. which was insane. 
because Caller Daddy's right up there with part of my take being I the know. other big juggernaut podcast, which is mainly on sports with Big Cat, PFT, and Hank's the main producer. Yeah. I think it's a crazy side note on like the part of my take how it's run by maybe six guys. Yeah. You have the two main content guys, Hank's in there every once in a while, and then like two, three other producers. Yep. Well, a show like that is big. It's so big and it's it's such a money maker that you have to have that many people on. If this if this show was getting a hundred thousand downloads a week, you and I and Trevor wouldn't be able to do it. We'd need somebody no. else so that we could continue to drive the production value up. No, we'll need we need somebody on social media. We need a production yeah. crew with cameras and lights. We need to make sure we like equipment wise, we need all the top equipment. We need a studio. Yeah, of course. We probably need a manager or like an assistant. Right. It'd be crazy. That'd be a movie. <laughs> That'd be dope. That would be a fucking movie. I mean, that movie. stuff doesn't happen. Like, we don't, not every show is like a call or daddy where as soon as it starts, it it snowballs into something huge. But there was. Most of them take three to five years. But truly, I don't think. I think the fact that they had the Barstool platform is one reason why it got so big and it, it, it yes. exploded immediately. The other reason is because truly, I had never heard anything that just vivaciously vile my favorite story was the jalapeno seed one i i am aware i think we should keep that away from this one but yeah (laughs) there's so many crazy there's so much crazy shit like i think maybe it was two or three they're talking about like i don't know man it's too it's too much for me honestly i don't i don't want to repeat it it's, it's just craziness. But that's why. That's why it was so popular. Because people are drawn to that outrage. And I don't want to say I was outraged. But I was definitely at the point where I had to shut it off. Because I couldn't eat my fucking Frosted Flakes. And listen to them talking about fucking cum leaking out of shit. I was like, alright, well, that's enough. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you. I've had enough. Um, so roughly what Dave said was Alex has made like about $500,000 while Sophie has made around 460000 Yeah, which is insane because they were complaining about not making enough and you find that out and you're like well hold on there um, if you gave me so yeah, $560,000 to go into a fucking office once a week and record a podcast once a week I would do it for two years, and then I would disappear, and you'd never hear from me again. <laughs> I'd be living in an isle- on an island somewhere in a small hut. Yep. Can't imagine. So they ori- yeah, they- when they originally signed, it was a three-year deal, and after the first year, they came back and wanted new contracts. So Sophia wanted to re- renew hers, and I don't think Dave and them did, but Alex came, and they gave one to her because she was the one mainly doing all the editing. Right. And- I think they both, because it's a scripted show, they like they sit down and talk about what they were going to do, like kind of what we do, like for this one specifically. We like have an outline here. It's not improv. No. Like, I think a lot of shows are scripted, but improv's really hard. You just go off the cuff. Oh, it's for, super like, an hour. hard. You have to be a talented comedian and to some degree, kind of like a little bit of an actor to, to be succeed at that kind of stuff. I think you have to be somewhat good at storytelling too. Mm-hmm. Creating a creating an atmosphere to where you're capturing people's focus and wanting them to know what you're going to say next. Oh, I agree. Improv is hard. So, so that seventy k, the seventy k was after their first renegotiation. So now they're back for a second negotiation, where they each wanted five hundred grand, like each for themselves. They wanted increased percentages on their merch, like the merch comp they were getting. So they were getting only 10% of the sales. I think they wanted a 50-50 split, which is insane. And there were a few other things, which I forgot. Um, The one thing that was crazy was they also wanted to be paid for episodes that they didn't even do. I saw this. So this was that was the deal that they negotiated on <laughs> on Dave's roof deck, right? I think so. Yeah. He, I remember listening to the podcast. He said... They recorded. They did something on the roof deck. He kept mentioning that he had a roof deck. I was like, okay, we know. We know that you have a deck on the roof of your apartment building. <laughs> we know. 
Yeah, he's a funny guy. Um, so so their their contract negotiating strategy is so outlandish and wild, and just recently I think he finally heard back from Sophia, like that she just spoke yesterday or two days ago, and in yeah. in the thing she didn't mention the boyfriend who we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, I was just about to mention Suit Man. Suit Man. He looks yeah, like so Lord Dave, Farquaad. Yeah, he looks like a lot of things. Yeah. Dave and Barstool learned that there was a man called Suit Man, reference from the shows, mm-hmm. Sophia's boyfriend or on and off thing, whatever you want to say, a.k.a. Peter Nelson, yep. was involved in the negotiation. So he's so an he's exec at HBO, HBO, yeah. HBO exec who <laughs> he tries to stay, he tries to avoid social media. Mm-hmm. That's what he's been said. And it completely backfired. Everybody knows about him. And have you seen all the TikToks? Oh, yeah. Peter Nelson ruined Call Her Daddy. Yeah. So now he's involved. Uh, he's apparently not a fan from Barstool since the start. He, Dave was saying he, was, he probably was involved in the, the hit piece. The hit. Yeah, from HBO because HBO put out a hit piece on Barstool. Cause I don't fuck with Barstool. Everybody's trying to tear Barstool down, but they have the backing of the people, which is right? more powerful than anything they, they can do. They truly do have the backing of of mo- I would say most sports fans. That's you're right. That's true. They originate out of Boston, yep. and it's spread throughout the Northeast, and now it's a it's a national thing, and mm-hmm. eventually it's going to be a worldwide brand. Yeah. I mean, that's what he's trying to put. That's what Dave's trying to push. I mean, he sold the company twice, multi-millionaire now. Yeah, and he still has. He still has a lot to do with it. It's not. It's now it's, he, does, he just day trades now. I know, but he's. He has so much to do with it still. Oh, hundred percent. He's still president. Like they're never going to take that position from him. No, he's. He will always be involved. Yeah, have to have to be. It's his. It's his. It'll, it would never be the same if he wasn't there involved. He's a Plus, him and Erica, the CEO, are like a good team. They like work well off to each other. Yeah. Yeah, they do. <clears throat> so, so this was Dave's. This was Dave's offer. Sorry. So he offered them the five hundred grand each. He also gave them some bonus incentives with the downloads and the merch. Mm-hmm. He even gave them six months off their original contracts. So they have 18 months left. He cut that to 12. Jesus. And the kicker, he would give them the, the intellectual property of Call Her Daddy itself after their contract expired. So if after this year they decide they didn't want to stick with Barstool, they can leave and take the show with them and not break their contract. Which is insane because he was telling Big Cat and them at, for part of my take, which we mentioned earlier, he was telling them about it, and they were confused. Like because that, yeah, I know, because they'd never be allowed to take it. Take their nobody idea. at that company would ever be allowed to do that, I know. and that shows the magnitude of how good and how much potential this podcast has. They made Barstool so much money, so much yeah. money more than what he even what Dave even alluded to in the podcast. It, they must have made him so much disgusting, so so many disgusting amounts of cash because he would never s- just give that IP away if he didn't think he could squeeze however much out in this last year, right, of their contract. So, yeah, exactly. And I don't know. I, we, we still don't know if she's coming back or not, right? They said they brokered a deal with Alex, but... Well, right now, yeah, Alex originally wanted to take the deal, but Sophia didn't want to take it because a suit man putting himself out there yeah. for the for the company and that. I mean, he had him lined up with other companies. I'm like, if they didn't take that deal, I can't imagine what they were gonna get paid at these other places. Like they probably each get a million dollars and high percentages on merch sales and whatnot from whatever they were gonna make. I can't believe they're making that for the fucking shit that they for that show. It's uh, it's crazy, dude. It gives me a fucking headache to think about. It's one of those things that you you would thought of but never thought would be a real thing. Yeah, like because I didn't think people would want to listen to that. Exactly. And that's where people make the best thing. It's I know. I guess that's true. It's a niche. 
But what now is- the girls are the girls are beefing with each other over the contracts. So Alex wants to take the deal, and she's trying to make her own deals with Dave. Just her coming back, and Sophia's trying to stick it with Suitman and whatever. Well, I think that's fine. I think they should split it then. If Alex wants to go back to, to Barstool, then find somebody else to come do the show with you. Fuck, fuck the other girl. She broke the show up, essentially. You know? Fuck her. In a way, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't take as much blame from Alex. I think she has a big part in it, too, but Sophia's making a bigger deal out of it. I think they're both fucking slime balls, and he said, and Dave said that too. And he's, a, by the way, he's a fucking slime ball too. But the fact that 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 they did this, and this is how they chose to be in this, these negotiations, to me, is a sign that says, "Fuck it, no amount of money is worth that." And even he said that in that in that video or in that in that podcast, he said, "I don't know, I don't know if this is even fucking worth it." But we're still trying to work something out with Alex. So I think there's more to come in this saga, but. I think we'll hear new news by the end of the month. Yeah, I agree. I think it should probably be resolved within the next two weeks. I think, I think Alex is going to come back and she'll probably have her own show. Yeah. Maybe she'll have new people visit and guests. I don't know. Solo podcast is hard. They never collaborated with anybody there. I know. Like KFC Radio was like Kevin and uh, Feudelberg said on their show, like they were, Dave told them to maybe collab with the girls because he said that they're like the opposite of the girls pretty much than the male versions in a way. Yeah. And they didn't jump on it. And obviously they regretted it in some way, but at the same time they were fine with it because of how it turned out. That's funny though that you say that because I, at first I said, "Oh, this is this is KFC Radio. This is the female version of KFC," and it's not because it's so. I know those guys are kind of nutty and and weird, but those chicks are a whole different breed, man. I don't know how they're gonna replace that show. Truly, that was one of a kind. That's a once in a lifetime type fucking deal to have under your banner. That is you. Tra- I mean, I try to compare it with the other girls, the girl podcasts there. You got chicks in the office, polar opposite. They're all about pop culture. That normal kind of, they mainly stick on like the YouTube scene pretty much. They know all that stuff. Doesn't Ellie, doesn't uh, Ellie Schnick girl have her own fucking show? She has Schnitt talk. That's That's her thing. Probably pretty mellow, right? It's a mellow version of Call Her Daddy. Okay. And then Casey does her show with Brandon Walker. Like, but that mean that's me like college football and stuff. Yeah, she does the college football show too. Mm-hmm. I don't think Liz does any. I don't know what she does. No. Gonzalez. Kate's on a show, isn't she? On the military one. Yeah, she does the zero blog thirty. Yeah, with um, She's chaps and somebody else. I like that show, actually. The military stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's a good thing about Barstool. They have their little niche of everything. Same with uh, the Y or what you call it, Bill Simmons's network. They yeah. have their own. They have their each little niche. All these networks have their own little sub thing. I can appreciate it, and I think Barstool now for me is more enjoyable for the other content, not necessarily for the sports stuff. I watch my sports stuff other places. I like the smaller, goofier, more raw and uncut podcast the production value is almost too high for me on barstool now it's too good mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no flaws it's too good and it's only going to get better i know but but Which it will never be part. it will never never be we're what, debating about the we're de- what were you gonna say sorry it'll never be what we consider mainstream thankfully it will never be espn thank god no no dave will make sure that till the day he dies they tried it they tried didn't work yeah i always see the one clip recommended when a big cat and pft went to the espn studio in connecticut it got kicked off right away van pelt's good good with them van pelt loves those guys yeah but he's got a little more like you could tell he's got a little bit more banter in him than what he gives on espn even if you watch older clips of him there's a little more It's, it's he's been whittled down unfortunately I remember we were at the Masters, I think early 2010s, at like one of the practice rounds, not the actual event. I have the flag but, in the um, closet. 
it was awesome. I mean, it's really swampy and natty, which sucked. Yeah. But uh, Van Pelt was there. He's like 6'10 or something. Yeah, he's so huge. Tall, bro. He's yeah. huge when I saw him. Yeah. Big presence. Beast. But, um, yeah, ESPN. They're never going to be ESPN. But one thing ESPN did, um, The Last Dance. Yeah. Reviewing that, capping that all off. I, it's a little late we're talking about it since the last episode was released last Sunday. Or the last two, I should say. Yeah capping off the whole doc mm-hmm. everybody's been saying it's the best doc ever and i feel like that comes from a biased standpoint in a way maybe oh it does but <laughs> there were a lot of good things i took away from it and there were some things i took away with maybe a question or two about yeah what are some but, of your questions i'm interested um some of the highlights uh, the Steve Kerr background and how he became who he is today. I really liked that. The last two episodes did justice to him. Yeah. Because they introduced him to the to the series, I would say, episode six, seven. As a douchebag, right? Did Not they... as a douchebag, no. but he was like a side character that was always, you would see him in the clips, but they never mentioned. And like he'd have a little interview. Yeah. But they never really talked to him. But episode nine and ten really got, to, you really got to know him and his background. That's good. Like I love his Kirk. mom was a his mom was a stay at home parent, and later on she became a professor. Yep. And his dad was always a professor and became a president of a school over in uh, the Middle East. Yeah. And then the incident with his dad being killed, which was really sad, mm-hmm. because they asked Steve if he ever talked to Michael about their dads, and he said no. Like we never ever spoke about that. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty crazy. Well, I think you think he would console him, but it was probably a very tough thing because even Kerr was commented saying Michael could never live like us, even if we're teammates, he will never live the same life as us. That's true because he's on that next level of icon. That is that I can agree with. That is the truth. Michael Jordan is the biggest sports icon that there was and there ever will be. There, there's no topping it. Doesn't mean that he was the greatest. He's the greatest basketball player of all time, but he is one hundred percent the most legendary, and nobody will ever take that from him. Yeah, that's the most impressive thing Never. from the doc I took was in an era before social media and even before tele like cell like cell phones, not yep. smartphones, cell phones. Everybody knew his name. How many people knew him and how big events were? Because like every Bulls game you would go to, home and away would be sold out. Yep. Because everybody wanted to see Mike play. And they say it caps from the 92 Dream Team of them going to France. Yep. That's when everybody found out he was international. Well, he was... The Jordan brand was international. Right. It was huge in Europe. And believe it or not, France has a very specific tie to the Jordan brand. They There's constantly French collaborations, whether it be French fashion houses or French sporting teams, or whatever French culture, they always have collabs with Jordan's shoes. And think about how many how many soccer teams wear, wear Jordan jerseys. How many? The main one that comes to mind is PSG. There's one. Yeah, it's PSG. So that that that's funny that you mentioned that. Um, he is an icon, man. It's, it's I, I won't watch the doc because I don't want to see the slurping. I don't want to see them shit on other people. I don't want to see the lies. Um, <laughs> there's so much lying that he did. Like I saw. I don't so know if many... there's any shitting. The main shitting is Jordan when he's trash talking people, and but at the same time, people are trash talking back. I know, but like he he shits on Gary Payton and says like Gary Payton wasn't shit. I was never worried about Gary Payton. Gary Payton locked his ass up, and if Gary Payton covered him that entire fucking finals, the Bulls would have lost. But but all you get is Jordan sitting there fucking you know looking at the. Looking at the the tablet, smoking a cigar, laughing, like he did the same thing with uh, Brian Russell with the Jazz in the last two episodes, talking yeah. about how he wasn't he knew everything about his game and how he defended on his toes, and he yep. said he had him every time. Same thing. Uh, did you see the Carl Malone clip for that ESPN twix, uh, tweeted last night? What one was that? They said they asked Carl Malone who. By the way, is not a great person for what he did off the court, but of course a great basketball player. Um, he said, what's the first thing 
that comes to your mind when I say Michael Jordan. And Carl Malone was so shook. Immediately, he's like <laughs> blowing fucking air out of his nose. What do you What do you mean? What the first thing that comes to my mind when you say Michael Jordan? It's Michael Jordan. Well, what do you mean? He was a good player. But when I played against uh, Michael Jordan, I was never playing against Michael Jordan. I was playing against the Bulls. It was my understanding that I was playing against the Chicago Bulls, not just Michael Jordan. And those guys still all have a stick up their fucking ass about how how bad to the bone he was and how much he... Because he, he did cook them, dude. He fried them all. Well, you could argue though those two seasons, the 96, 97, 97, 98 Jazz teams were the best that the Jazz franchise has ever had that's of true. coming to a championship. That's true, hundred percent. You're not going to get you make better back-to-back than back-to-back championships, and you lose to the same team. I mean, you're not getting better than than fucking John Stockton and Carl Malone. It's just yeah. not. It's not happening. You know, um, as the in Jazz series. Yeah, in the last one for the three peat, the second three peat. Uh, with Rodman going to Monday Night Raw or whatever it was called, <laughs> yeah. to, instead of going to practice during the NBA Finals, I know against the Jazz the second time around was insane, bro. How do you get away with that? Because he always backed it up, dude. He always went out and backed it up, no yeah, matter he what just... he did off the court. He always fucking performed. And that's what he said. He said, when I, I need, like, Phil, Jordan, no. I need my time away. Sometimes I need a mental break, mm-hmm. so I'll go do my thing. But as soon as I step back on the court, you know I'm going to give 100% it's business. everything I got. Yeah. Which I think Which is, is respectable. It's so admirable. And I'm, I'm a, actually a big Dennis Rodman. I like Dennis Rodman. I've seen all of the stuff that, <clears throat> all the docs that that are out and documentaries that include him i've seen most of them and um his his 30 for 30 is crazy man he's got a crazy story it's worth if you guys want to learn more about about rodman and his life before basketball i i would recommend checking uh checking out his 30 for 30 it's really good yeah he has a good backstory yeah it's interesting um Another key player to the team, Scottie Pippen, his role and how he dealt with it, mm-hmm. even with the contract he had. That was the worst contract I've ever heard in my life <laughs> for how good he was. And it was like, it was the worst timing because it was right before TV kicked off. I know. And the Bulls really started becoming the team they have known to be become. It was 18 over 8. I think that's what the deal was. Seven. 18 over It was from 91, 91 right up to the end of the 98 season. <sighs> that's horrible. That's, yeah, that is the worst. Two, three mil a year. Awful. Jordan said he was just playing on one-year deals. Yeah. Well, of course he was. They had to keep, they had to keep fucking cranking that number up. It was Jordan. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Poor Scotty. And apparently he's livid with Michael about his portrayal in the documentary. Saw that last night. Scotty's pissed about his own about the way he was or how Jordan was portrayed. No, about the way about the way uh Scotty was portrayed in the in the documentary. So I think that what did what did he say he felt like? All all I saw was that he was pissed. He didn't think that it was I didn't think he got I didn't see him getting portrayed that bad. I, I didn't either, truly I I didn't see that there was anything on social media where people were like, damn, you know, Scotty was really like that. I I didn't hear that he was portrayed unfairly, but I guess there was something in there that he didn't like. So we'll see. Maybe I will watch it. Maybe I won't. I don't know. I just... I, the most I, negative thing from him, the whole doc, was I think episode five or six when his contract negotiations were going on. And he and said his, he was going his, on vacation. His, his relationship with Krauss and how the one time they got on the bus and he just ripped him. Yeah. And every it got to a point where everybody was telling him to like relax, take a walk. Yeah. And the other time would be like when he pushed off his surgery mid season. Right. He said, I'm I'm good this the third the ninety seven, ninety eight season. He was like, I'm just gonna push this off. Yeah. I don't care. Screw these guys. Yeah. So. Not the team, but the organization. 
So maybe it was that. And maybe that's what he didn't like. But he had his reasons also, for that. Also, when um, he didn't get the winning shot, they gave it to Kukoc. <laughs> oh, yeah. Listen, Tony, he, Tony he, Kukoc. He, he, he sat on the bench. I know. Tony Kukoc was good. He was really good. Slept on, actually. He was the start of the, the European influx of players. Yeah. <sighs> but, yeah, I'm uh, glad that it's over so I don't have to see any more you know, LeBron James versus Michael Jordan polls because I was seeing, like... That ESPN poll, I felt, was very slighted in one direction. Yeah, of course it was. He won every category. People are saying Jordan Michael did. Jordan is a better passer than LeBron James. Do I have to do I have to go and find a supercut of LeBron James that sample, passing? The, that test sample was 600 people, and they say, oh, it was varied ages, but, like... No, you need a bigger size than that. I, I thought it said it was twenty-eight to thirty-five. No, it's, it was six hundred. Oh, so six hundred people took that, and it was random ages. Yeah, it was all scattered. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have to ask that question at the end of this year because this doc is so new, and people are. I mean, I would say the main people that it's enlightening is the thirty Younger and under generation. Thirty and under, yeah. Yeah, but I feel like if you're we 18 know, and younger, you only know LeBron. I no, but I would say that we are a more open-minded. I'd say that we are more open-minded than that la- that later generation. I am more willing to understand that there have been amazing, fantastic players that have come and gone than let's say somebody our dad's age, maybe 50. I, I know because the bartender that I used to work with. What, he didn't want to fucking hear. He didn't want to hear that LeBron was the best. He didn't want to hear it. It's all about clutch. It's all about clutch. Clutch is the only thing that matters. No, it's fucking not the only thing that matters. Because when you're talking about a player, an entire player, then you're going to say Eli Manning's better than Tom Brady. That's just not fucking true. It's not. But, you know, it's, it's not worth arguing with the old heads because they don't want to fucking hear it, man. They don't want to hear that LeBron's the GOAT. They have a good they have a good one liner. You could say the same with Brady. What rings? Fuck I the mean, rings. They don't matter. Well, you're talking about clutch. He, he every finals he was in, he won. He was six and oh. Yeah. He never but, lost a final. But but that's all that they have. A lot of the older guys, that's their only argument is how many did he rent? How many did he win? Well then why is Bill Russell not the GOAT? Why is Bill Russell not True. the GOAT? He used to score a hundred fucking hundred fucking points a game. Why does it matter? <laughs> because he played against fucking plumbers. That's why. And so did Jordan. The 90s was the most watered-down bullshit decade of the NBA because they expanded. They had so many expansion teams, and there was so... Each team could have maybe one marquee player. Maybe. This is a discussion that's, I could uh, have for 20 years, honestly. Bob. That's where I find that soccer is a good sport for that yeah. because you could look in the lower mm-hmm. leagues like the French, the Portuguese, the Italian, you could say are like the fourth, fifth, and sixth best leagues. You can have players scoring a lot of goals and being really good teams. And then you have the Champions League being the tester for them. Right. Are they the best against the best in Europe? Like when they come up against really good Prem teams or you play a Barcelona or Madrid, how do they square up? And, and that's that's why I think I have so much patience and I'm willing to hear an argument in a in a game like soccer, whereas in a game like basketball, I just don't think that you can tell me that Michael Jordan is a better basketball player than LeBron James. I just can't listen. I can't listen to you. I can't, can't hear it. Uh, and I, I have two more notes from the doc. Sure. So, like, taking a break from Jordan for a second so you can cool off. I'm literally um, fuming right now. I'm malting. <laughs> I literally need to go drink water. I'm going to have to go slam a beer. I'm so angry. <laughs> we go from caller daddy, you being sketched, to now you're just absolutely <laughs> heated over Jordan but LeBron debates. I'm sweating right now. You're a mix of emotions. Um, so, Phil Jackson, I, li- I like the portrayal of Phil Jackson and his approach. I feel like we didn't get enough Phil Jackson and how Agreed. he coached the team. They they touch on it briefly with how his coaching tactics are. And the main coaching point they had with him is the triangle passing. 
that was the main thing that they showed out of his playbook. Yep. Which they, they said didn't work as didn't work to its best potential with Jordan. It didn't. Because it's all about passing and sharing the ball and being a team. And the year he retired, or whatever you want to call it, left, um, he went to play baseball. That 94, or what was it, 93-94 season, first year, they played it to peak, the triangle ball. And they, like, they were decent. They made the playoffs still. It worked well, yeah. But the following year, they were like garbage. Right. They weren't just not that good. Well, Phil tries that everywhere he goes. The triangle is Phil's thing. And I well, then he goes, then he goes to L.A. with Kobe, and you get Kobe and Shaq. Yeah, of course, and they were fucking insane. And Kobe got carried by Shaq because Shaq was a more complete player. He's a better player. Damn, that's a hot take. Come on. <laughs> Kobe doesn't have no, 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 no. He was all right. Listen, Shaq wasn't a more complete player, but Shaq was better. Kobe's seventy percent. Kobe is Kobe's career is seventy percent of it of what it was if he doesn't have Shaq. That's true. What was the last year Shaq was there? Uh, I can find it for you. Mid two thousands, because the last championship they won was in '09, right? Yeah, but that was Shaq was gone by then. That, yeah, that's what I mean. Let's let's. Kobe was it was just Kobe. I no, mean, he had Powell. Powell Gasol. People want to sleep on Powell too. All right, let's see what you got here. His last year at the Lakers was oh three oh four. Okay. So they won in. I can't find this, but that's okay. But anyway, what I'm saying is, again, Kobe didn't do it by himself either. You can never do it just by yourself. You always need role players around you or another big player like that. Uh, I don't know, man. LeBron did it. I don't know. I'm just you physically can't do it by yourself. Uh, you need I, I know, people. I, I you. you need other players on the team making key plays. Yeah, of course. Like like Jordan had Paxton making shots. You had later on Steve Kerr made big shots for him. You got Rodman getting boards. You got Pippen doing his duty on defense and supplying offense. Yeah. Jordan's not getting the board, dribbling the whole way, making a three, getting a steal, dunking. He can't do all that. True. You're um, right, he couldn't do all that. Nobody could. For 40, I mean, not the one for, thing I give Michael the Jordan, the one thing I give Michael Jordan over LeBron from being on a middle standpoint here, I'm not taking any sides, but he's every game for 82 games a season. He's playing 44 out of 48 minutes, night yeah. in and night out. He gave everything. Never sitting out. It didn't like you he literally had to break his foot, which he did to not play. I know. Jordan gave everything is, to the game. That's that's true. He's the perfect representation of what it means to play to win the game. Yeah, you're right. Which you can't say for LeBron because they do load management. But, but that's, that's not solely on him. That's what's become of the NBA on, yeah. and how teams run their organizations. Right. But but that's part of why he's a better athlete. Because, because of load they management. know when to play him and when not to play him. Yeah, they know not to fucking destroy this six foot nine, two hundred eighty five pound man by making him play every minute of every game because he wouldn't make he would make it. He's too big. Yeah, that's the same thing for like Zion now. Like they rested Zion, so right. they implemented him. Yeah, because technology's too good. I mean, LeBron would be a fucking injury disaster if if they still were playing him as much as they did. He's all he's getting old, and he's a freak that's of fair. nature. But uh, my last thing, which I know you're going to have strong opinions about, I think we'll end it on a hot one here for you. I have a final um, question for you after this. Okay. I don't know if you'll be on a straight mind. Uh, so Jordan's gambling and how he has to act to be the best. So maybe starting episode four on, you start seeing how Jordan gambles He'll go to Vegas and gamble, how that starts, how he gambles traveling to different states to play games with his teammates. Like, he's literally gambling money. He has so much more money than everybody else, and he still gambles with those people. And 
he does it solely just to say he took money from them. Like there was one where um the one guy Judd I forget his that last name one of the one of like the lower guys on the team he was um up front with I think Paxton and one other guy they were playing like dollars yeah like blackjack or something and Jordan came up and said hey can I sit down and play and he says why do you want to play with us. <laughs> that's true and he says and he literally says because just so i can say i took money from you that's literally what he says and i'll tell you the paraphrasing reason. in a little way but that's the gist of what he said and the reason why is because jordan was a fucking psycho he had to win that's why he was as good as he was because he was a fucking was he, psycho the one the one game with the player i forget his name just feel bad who? But the one guy for the Wizards, it was the or the Wizards or the Bullets, whatever they were called, the Washington. Um, the one guy goes off. Oh, and he said nice. Has a better nice game, game than Jordan. Yeah, LeBradford Smith. Yeah, he, yeah. He allegedly said nice game to Michael Jordan. <laughs> allegedly, the next game, he shit on him, and that guy came out and said he did not say that. So Jordan and Jordan said, yeah, he I made that up. He he makes stuff up just so he gets an edge on people. And this is what I said at the very beginning when we talked about this. He's a he's a psycho. It's the same he thing. He needs a mental push. He had to do it for himself, and that's part of being a winner. He's a winner, and he did whatever. He, he knows how to get the best out of himself. Right, and he had to do whatever he had to do to himself to get himself to win. And honestly, as much as it annoys me, I have to respect that. I mean, it doesn't change the fact that he's a fucking lunatic. But they that was the main thing they portrayal. Every episode, you see at least one moment where something is said to Jordan or they have a bad game against a team, and the next time they played him, Jordan destroys him. Whether it was <laughs> Horace Grant and the Magic beating him in the playoffs, and Michael comes back and they shit on them, 4-0, they swept him. Mm-hmm. BJ Armstrong with the Hornets, he pops off. They win a game. Yep. They shit on him the next game. Yeah, it goes on and on. I know. Even uh, what's his name? When um, George Carl. Oh yeah. Early in his career, he didn't say at high or anything to Jordan. And Jordan had a for problem. whatever reason, Jordan decides, "Oh, I'm gonna shit on you." It's a vendetta. But that's what drove him, and yeah. The last thing was how he treated his teammates during practice and that he'd always be a hard ass <laughs> on them and he would get the he would just shit talk them and the person that faced it the most you could tell through the series was a uh, Scott Burrell yeah. that very last season in the Scott 97-98. Burrell, dude. He was probably the nicest guy you'll ever meet. He just took it with a smile and Jordan said like he would always try to crack him or get him to even just punch him just to see if he'd react and he never did. Yeah. Well, you know the Steve Kerr punching story, right? Oh, we're we're going over an hour, but it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, they yeah, they hit on that too. Oh like, yeah, he's giving him shit, and then and then Kerr punches him in the chest, and then Jordan just breaks his nose, and, and then he face. he feels bad because he was the smallest guy on the court. He gives him a call, <laughs> apologizes, and says he got his respect. Yeah, and knows he can rely on him. Yeah. So I don't know. Jordan was fucked, man. He was fucked in the head. He was a crazy guy. Those were all my notes. So what was your question? Okay, so before we end this, if I had a gun to your head, who was the greatest basketball player of all time? Um, you just want a straight-up answer? Or can, I, I, can, I, or can you, I explain? You can explain yourself, but give me your answer first. I don't know. I don't watch that much. You watch enough to know the answer. Well, my gut, my gut, gut, instant reaction wants me to say LeBron. Okay, that's that's enough. I just that's my that, instant reaction. That's what your gut tells you. That's the right answer. Because I'm on the side of the game evolves, right. and physically it becomes more demanding, and basketball, NBA, all sports have turned into businesses. Yep. Like we hit on ninety one, ninety two. TV became a huge deal. And now there's all these investors and sponsors. And these players are more valued to these organizations. Now they have to be paid more. And now it becomes your lifestyle. Of course. You have to 24-7, 365, practice your craft. And if you're not good enough, you get kicked. And they find somebody new. Yep. So, yeah, I want to say LeBron. But I think Michael Jordan's the best winner of all time. I 100% 
Agree. The only other winner, only other best winner of all time in sports that like I'd Tom say Brady. is even close is Brady. Or t- I'd say even Tiger Woods. Or that's another good one. I I thought about this the whole time too. Was Tiger in the dock at all? A little bit. Or no? He was never mentioned. If anything, maybe as like a footnote because '97 was the first year he won the Masters. Yeah. That was when he first came on the scene. So I don't think they really touched on that. If anything. But uh, when we were talking they about do, icons, they do hit on they do hit on Jordan golfing and stuff, but I never saw Tiger. Yeah. When we're talking about icons, the only other person that I can think of that's like an icon in their sport, like Jordan is for basketball, is Tiger in golf, really. And I know I haven't been around for the grand scope of golf, but ask ask your. This is an interesting. Next week or after, whenever you talk to me, let me know who your dad thinks is the biggest icon in golf, because he'll have a better answer than than we do. I think it's Tiger, though. Well, yeah, it has to be Tiger. It would be a discussion between him and Jack Nicholson. That that's or Jack Nicholas. Yeah, that's the only. I two always confuse him and Nicholson. I always mess <laughs> these names up. I know it's the only two people I can think of. Arnold Palmer, maybe. Right, it's the only other one, maybe. And that's well, a they're stretch. always there. It's usually is it the Masters where Arnold, yeah, him, Gary Player, and Jack always open with like okay. their drives, and then it starts. Yeah. Well, Arnold Palmer just died, I think. Yeah, which they can't do anymore. But I'm saying that's how yeah. it used to be. Like, those three would get together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's an interesting conversation. I think I think most of the people in our generation would lean towards LeBron as the best that we've seen. Because we have the, we have the video of Jordan. We know it all. We, the stats are recorded. The stories are recorded. You know, so I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that we didn't even talk about. Like the flu game wasn't real. Oh, it was the, pe- the food poisoning. Wait, and now there's that. reports There's reports saying that it wasn't even poisoned. They said in the doc there was only five, there was five people that delivered it. Yep. Those people responded by saying it was only two, and it was from a pizza hut. Yep. And the guy was a Bulls fan. Exactly. Like they didn't even know who uh, the pizza was for. But Jordan... Jordan probably told himself these fuckers tried to poison me, and then went out there and played the best. Well, I don't know game how ever. you can explain the him being sick if it wasn't food poisoning. Oh, I don't know. And it wasn't a flu. Like what the hell? Was, like was he overdosing? Or probably. Something? The, like, what was, he, was he taking drugs? Probably the fucking brown. Probably the brown liquor and fucking three cigars the, that he smoked the night before. That's true. You know, yeah, he would always smoke. He's probably he's probably hungover. If you, here, I saw this tweet right. You go out. Send on this. You go out tonight. Yeah, let's end on this. You go out tonight. You drink half a bottle of whiskey, smoke three cigars, gamble until three a.m. Then eat a pizza. Go play pickup basketball the next day at five p.m. and let me know how it turns out. I'm fucked. Exactly. And that's why LeBron's the goat. Thank you guys for listening to episode twenty-five of the post 20 podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you tune in next week. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and obviously on Spotify and iTunes podcasts. And uh, we appreciate you guys watching Matt. You have anything else to say? Don't forget. We're also on SoundCloud. Make sure you're sharing with your friends and family during time. I'm sure everybody has an hour out of their day to listen to the show, spread it. And um, we'll see you guys next week. Have a good one, guys. Stay safe.